Hey, what's up everyone? Sam Shaw here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I'm here today with another client interview for you guys. Um, today, I'm really excited to have Matthew on. Uh, Matthew recently finished his junior summer internship recruiting process uh, for summer 2022 and had a you know, very successful outcome. And so I want to, those guys have a very interesting background. Um, and so I wanted to get him to come on here and talk to you guys about his story a little bit. And hopefully this guy's help, uh, this helps you guys out in your own process as well. So uh, Matthew, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, no problem. Um, to, to start things off, if you don't mind, maybe you can just introduce yourself a little bit so that our listeners kind of uh, can get a sense of you know, who you are and kind of what your profile is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess to kind of, um, I won't give the banking answer that I usually give. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so like to tell you a little bit about myself, like, Honestly, I kind of came into college. I was like sort of interested in finance and like I participated in the finance clubs at my university. I do go to like a top target and I, I, I participated in all these like clubs, you know, did the typical finance extracurriculars and had like all of these experiences, but I didn't feel like I truly understood like finance or anything like super well by the end of those experiences. Uh, and I actually did uh, interview for sophomore um, banking programs uh, at Goldman Sachs. I had Super Day, um, Morgan Stanley, and Barclays during my, uh, during like after my freshman year, going to sophomore year for sophomore summer programs. Yeah. And I actually didn't land any of those internships, um, even though I had Super Days at three of them. And so I, I really like started thinking, what am I doing wrong? First of all, I realized like my technical knowledge wasn't actually like as complete as it probably should have been. And then the second thing I realized was that like my behavioral answers probably weren't that good because my interviews weren't like incredibly technical. Yeah. So I realized like I, ne I needed to improve my banking um, like interview process and just become a lot more sharper of an applicant to be successful in the process. And so um, actually like I decided to step away from finance. I took a gap year after my freshman year, um, like a little after my recruiting, I had a really like untraditional path. Um, so what I did was I, I, I did a, I basically worked on a couple startup ideas, actually had like a lot of success there, um, raised like a million dollars of venture, venture capital and like, um, you know, had what would be considered like a very successful um, startup experience for a, a college undergraduate. And so after that, I decided to, um, you know, like I decided I didn't want to dedicate the next five years of my life to this idea, even though it was really promising. So I decided to come back to school and I just um, didn't pursue that startup any further. And I realized like, Look, look, I'm in like the same situation. I realized banking is still like a really great place for me to learn and build my career, but I needed to get like this knowledge quickly because by the time I'd really like given up on the startup, it was already like getting close to recruiting season. I realized I needed to learn the technical knowledge and also have really good behavioral answers and be able to effectively communicate my um, identity and like my background to these bankers. And I had such like a complex identity, maybe like things that um, I, I wanted to know like how to communicate best and just be able to have success in the application process. So that's why I came to Wall Street Mastermind. And I just realized like being able to have all of these like combination of things and then like learn them incredibly quickly in like a dense and dedicated way um, was something that like this program would be able to offer me. And I realized like the investment also didn't seem like that bad relative to the amount of like compensation I could potentially earn from like going into a program like this. So I just realized like all things considered, this made a lot of sense for me and I, I just decided to enroll. Um, so yeah, that's Got kind it. of how it went. Got it, that makes sense. Thanks for uh, that really detailed um, rundown. So I have so many questions for you, man, based on what you just said. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to predict what my audience is curious about from the things that we just talked about. The first thing they're probably gonna ask you is, so you have this, you, you took a gap year after your first year I mean, first you recruited for banking, the sophomore summer internships. You got pretty close. You got the three super days. They didn't get an offer, which is a bummer. But of course, then you pivoted and you went to startup lab. Um, and like you said, very successful. I mean, raising a million dollars of funding, that's that's very impressive, especially for college students. Like I can confidently say 99.9% .9 of people out there do not have that on their resume, right? So you mentioned like, hey, you, you didn't you didn't really want to dedicate the next five years of your life to this idea, um, even though it was really promising. Can you just dive into that a little bit more? Like most people would probably say, oh, why, why would this guy leave his startup and then come back and 
feel for banking? Like, why not just pursue the thing that seems to be doing well? Like, what was going through your thought process? Yeah, so I realized like one of the things that people really under discuss, and this is with startups and VCs as well, because like, because of my startup experience, I had a lot of opportunities to work at very like established VC firms. Actually, like I'm currently doing an internship at a, a venture firm where two of the partners were named to the Midas list this year. And I could potentially roll that into like a full-time opportunity. Right. Yeah. But when I was thinking about do startups and VC like make sense for me? Um, I just realized that that's not necessarily the case. Like uh, startups and VC is like, these are roles where you're, you're leveraging knowledge you already have to be good at what you're doing. So if you don't have any previous experience or very limited previous experience, you're going to be kind of trapped. Like there's a, this is very under discussed, but like a lot of venture capital principles, they're not on like a partner track position because they've never started a company or something, or like they might have like a little like limited experience. And so you can actually just get kind of like caught in this like cycle where you're just stuck in this role that you can never really progress up from. And like, you can try laddering, lateraling to other firms, but maybe what are the number of like GP or partnership roles out there in VC? Very limited. And then also with startups, like if I go and pursue my own company, I'm not getting any other training and I'm not like a, like a programmer. Right. Yeah. So I realized like, I want to cultivate some like legitimate skill set that I have to fall back on. And I can also leverage to like do better on like a future startup idea. And so I realized banking would just provide me like the opportunity to potentially access both of those careers in the future. I would have the opportunity to go into like early stage venture growth. I would have the ability to do FinTech startups. I would have the ability to do finance roles at startups. All of these roles would be open to me as a result of like my banking experience. And so I realized it just made a lot of sense for me. Um, and I, I realized banking would just be the best place for me to get like a concrete skill set, something that like isn't provided by consulting or many of the other roles that people start in. Uh, yeah. Post graduation. So that's yeah. how I thought about it. Got it. That's a, that's a really good answer, man. I mean, it seems like it's definitely well thought out and you put a lot of thought into this. Um, and it couldn't have been an easy decision to walk away from a company that, you know, was doing well. And obviously you had a hand in helping start it. And so I'm sure uh, it was also your baby as well. Um, so you came back to school though. Uh, and then I think you came to Wall Street. I mean, you mentioned like, hey, we're really, it was getting really close to the recruiting season. I did. You actually came to Wall Street Mastermind or you started with us in like January of sophomore year, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much like right around when all the applications started opening up for uh, summer 2022. Uh, and so you're right, it was pretty last minute. But actually, like if we if we rewind, I think I first met you probably like what two years before that. Maybe it was like during your freshman year, prior yeah. to going through all the uh, sophomore summer internship super days that you talked about. Um, and obviously, like some of our other clients. Um, the first time that they talk to us, um, they don't necessarily join that very first time, right? So can you kind of like take us back to that first time? What was going through your head at the time as a freshman that caused you to not join? And then what brought you back this time around? Because obviously it sounds like you kind of kept us in the back of your mind the whole time. You didn't really forget about us, but it was just like, hey, not not that I would never do this, but just now is not the right time, maybe. So can you kind of like talk to that um, thought process a little bit? Yeah, so actually during my freshman year, yeah, like Sam just mentioned, I actually did meet with him. And this was very like, I think relatively early on in like Wall Street Masterminds, like sort of, it was new, it was like a sort of new program. Yeah. And I knew of it and I thought, you know, this guy obviously seems like he knows what he's talking about, like experience, like, um, investment banking professional, and then also in private equity. And so I, I didn't really have concerns about the like efficacy of the program or the ability for me to get something out of it, but it was more of just my concern with like, could I potentially land a role without like his help? And to be honest, it's possible. Like if you study a lot, you do all the preparation and like all these types of things. And you're like actively gunning for these roles very early on. You have a very, like, I went to a top target. I, I go to like top, top target. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, plenty of people have like the opportunity to, you know, like if you go to these schools and you do like start training early on, like you can land the roles. But the thing is for me, I just didn't necessarily get as much out of it as I was looking for. And like, I felt like a lot of the resources were all over the place when I was in that like interview process. That was something I realized after my sophomore super days that I didn't get any of. Yeah. Um, so 
when I came to Wall Street Mastermind, I just realized like everything here is super condensed and I needed, so, so freshman year, I thought I had a lot of time and all the resources are out there. They might not be condensed and consolidated and like in an effective place for me to learn everything. But yeah. one thing I did realize was that, you know, when I came to sophomore year, my time was very constrained. I needed to be ready in a very short amount of time. I knew like these interview cycles would be over for like a lot of these like top boutiques that I was targeting by April or like May. And so I realized I needed to like get on this fast. I need to be up to speed with people who had been preparing since like I had taken this gap year and done all this meandering and like all this type of stuff. Yeah. And I realized like this program would give me the ability to learn all of this information in a very short, like condensed amount of time. And yeah. so that was like ultimately my decision-making process. I realized that I could come here, I could learn everything extremely quickly, and then I would be ready to interview at these firms. And that like is what ended up happening. I did sign to a um, elite boutique technically. Yeah. I think. So. yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's all great stuff. So yeah, I remember, I mean, look, the, the first time I talked to you, obviously, like you said, you go to a top, top, like Uber target, right? I think you have pretty good GPA. Uh, Obviously, you're a smart dude. You founded a startup, or later on, you went on to found a startup, got funding, and so obviously, you're going to be pretty confident in yourself. Plus, at the time, you've never gone through the banking recruiting process yet, so it's really hard to say like how hard it's going to be, or how do I know if I can get this on my own or not, right? And so I think like the the mentality then of what I mean, I see all these other people. Uh, that I've been able to do it without something like Wall Street Mastermind. So I should probably be able to do it on my own first. Um, and I think uh, it sounds like to, to me, what you're saying is just the, the difference the second time around was, okay, now you've gone through it once already on your own. You kind of know where you fell short. And you've also tried to use all the resources on campus already. You joined all the different clubs that are out there. It wasn't like you weren't doing anything, but then you just found that you didn't get what you thought you would get out of all the, I guess, free resources that were already available to you. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of what made you uh, decide to come back and invest in something like this. Exactly. Okay, got it. And I would also say on top of that, I would just add, like, I had this realization, right? Like I'm targeting a role where like my potential first year compensation could be in excess of like $200,000, right? And like, what is the upfront investment that I'm going to be putting into this program? It's like a small fact, like my signing bonus more than covers like the cost of this program, right? right. So I'm like, why would I even like, like if I have like a, something that will give me an edge over other candidates in like this highly competitive role, why wouldn't I just like sign up for the program, right? It doesn't make sense for me to like, just proceed without it. Like realistically, yeah. If, you, if you've been training and preparing like from a very early like time period and you know, like you're gonna be prepared for the interview process, like you've done like hundreds of mocks with like other people and like, you know, like you're going to be there and like you go to a target already, you know, you have like the on-campus recruiting, you'll be fine. Like you're not going to have issues. Right. But like, if you're a candidate coming in and you're trying to prepare like very late in the process, like is if like the sm relatively small amount of money, like isn't enough to like sort of maybe like also the other things, like if you have a financial investment, like you're putting up maybe some of your own money for this or your parents, like it, it does like they do feel the cost of this. Like it does light a fire under your ass. You're going to like have to make the most of the program that's in front of you. And that's like also what it did for me. Cause like, I also had like somewhat of like a wandering mind. Like I was like, oh, I have all these opportunities available to me, but I'm like, also I know if I invest in this, I will like 100% have to make the most of this cause I will feel the cost of it. I do go to my school on like a full like financial aid. And so like for me to put up the money for this program like it did cost me a little bit and I knew I had to make the most of it. And so like, I just say, think about like all of those things. If you're like a prospective applicant, um, I can't like say whether this program's right for you, but like those were the things that went through my head. And like, I can honestly say that having to put up my own money for this program. And then like, also just knowing that like relative to what I would earn on my first like day, just signing like my like offer letter full time, it just made sense for me. Yeah. Um, and that's like something I would, I would consider like, I would urge you as like an applicant to this program to think about as well. Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points there. One is obviously, yeah, you paid for, I think your parents maybe helped you a little bit, but you, for the most part, pretty much paid for this program on your yeah. own, right? Which actually, like, uh, it, it's a mix. Some of our clients, um, their parents helped them out. And then some other clients, like, their parents either aren't uh, in a position to help them out or their parents just don't understand why they need something like this. So they kind of pay for it on their own, right? But um, mm -hmm. not surprisingly, to your point, we've kind of seen this 
trend where the, the students who ended up paying for this program on their own because they have more skin in the game, they're the ones that tend to work harder and they're the ones who naturally get better results, right? Obviously most people get it regardless. And to your point earlier, it's like, hey, if you're the type of candidate where you check all the boxes already, like you go to a top target, you got a great GPA, you got relevant experience, you know, you got everything, you've done a bunch of mock interviews, like you're a great interviewer, you get a knowledge, like you already know how to do all these things. Nobody is saying that Wall Street Mastermind is the only way for you to get into investment banking because it's not, right? Yeah. Um, but regardless of what position you're in, though, um, it sounds like you just thought about it from like a risk-reward standpoint, which is just like any other investment you make, how much am I having to invest up front? And what would the potential return be uh, if, if I'm right about this investment, right? And also what's the potential downside if I'm wrong? And what do I think is the probability of moving right versus moving wrong based on all the information that I have, right? It's almost no different than you going out and buying a stock or buying some cryptocurrency or whatever it is that you, that you're, you like to invest in. It's always just a risk reward analysis. And even, even at the end of the day, I think like we have, to your point, we do have students in our program this is not everyone so a lot of people coming out program because they probably don't have a very good shot of getting on their own but also we have i would say like some students in our program who are more similar to you in profile where they go to a top target they have good grades they have a good resume um and they come into this program not because they don't necessarily think they can get into banking on their own but because like you they don't want to just get into banking. They want to get into the best banks, right? Like we all know there's a big difference between the elite boutiques and the board bracket banks or the middle market banks, right? And there's a big difference between middle market banks and regional boutiques, right? And so not all banks are created equal. And obviously, like you said, you, you, know, you got into an elite boutique at the end of the day, which I remember going back to our conversation. That was what you told me um, you wanted to, to do, right? You said you wanted to work at an elite boutique. And you also acknowledge that you know that elite boutiques are hard to get into. And so you would also be happy with the board back bank. But th that's, that was basically it. It wasn't like, hey, I'm just happy to be here. It was like, I want to do banking, but not only that, I want the best of the best, right? And so at that point, yeah, like getting into banking is one thing, but are you really getting the best possible outcome you could have gotten? And I would say 10 times out of 10, having more help is always going to get you a better outcome than if you try to figure everything out on your own, right? Yeah. Is that, is that kind of the mentality that you had? Yeah, exactly. Like that was, that's pretty much exactly how I was thinking about it. I just realized like, I can, there's, there's no question I can break into banking, right? Like uh, there, there will be firms that will be willing to take me. If I apply widely, I will definitely like, I, I will get into one firm, but I realized I wanted to get into a, for specifically an elite boutique, because I wanted to get like high, relatively high compensation. Like I'm thinking a lot about if I want to do startups potentially afterwards or anything like that, like having pretty much one of the highest paying jobs you can reasonably get without being a quant out of undergrad is like one of the best things I could do to position myself for that. Right. Right. And then the second, like, I was like the relative, like just my signing bonus relative to like the cost of the program is like, like, it, it's just like the downside is limited and the upside, like, it's an asymmetric upside, basically. Like I think about everything from like that sort of rational standpoint. Yeah. And then the last thing was really just skin in the game, right? Like I knew I could find the resources and technically learn it on my own. But when I had my own money attached to it, I knew like I would work that much harder. When I have like all these classes going on, I have to like prepare for, and like I'm dealing with all these things. I'm like also doing role with a VC firm right now. Like I'm pretty crunched for time. Like when I have that financial investment and I know like I'm going to be hurting and like really like, you know, I'm going to be like living with regret. Like that money, like makes a difference to my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have to think about that. When I have to think about that, that's going to motivate me even further to yeah. like make most of the program. The truth is like you, you can learn everything on your own. Right. But like, um, how, like, do you want to like put your, put skin in the game? Right. Like Nassim Taleb's book, I, I have it in my room. Like I sit and I think about that all the time. Like when you have that incentive, the incentive alignment, like you're just that much more like involved you, you give that much more it's like yeah your process will be yeah, that I, mean, much I, got, I gotta i gotta give you props for your mindset because 
you know, you mentioned earlier, like you're going to college on a full ride, right? Or like full financial aid, right? So you like, you know, a lot of people online, they'll make comments like, oh, I bet you the only people that uh, use Wall Street Mastermind are people with rich parents or whatever, right? Like people with a silver spoon, born with a silver spoon in their mouth, basically. And that's absolutely not the case, right? In fact, I would say the reason I was like, got to give you props is like, you know, if you're not, a lot of times it's like, because there are other students that we met, maybe they're also going to school on a full ride, whatever, but then they come from like a scarcity mindset where they're afraid to invest in themselves because, you know, they think that money is this scarce resource that they don't have a lot of. To you, it's not like you were drowning with money. You're not like you know, some super rich dude, especially as a college student, spending your own money. But you didn't, you didn't, you didn't operate from a scarcity mindset. You looked at this purely in a very logical manner, uh, in a very rational way, where you just say, "Hey, what's the downside? What's the upside? Okay, this is asymmetrical, and so if it's asymmetrical, I gotta invest." And there's no better, there, there's no better investment you can make in life than an investment in yourself, to be honest. But right? like I think Warren Buffett has said that before, and I absolutely agree with that. Right? The other thing you mentioned too is like, yeah. Um, you want to work at the best bank and look, we're recording this in like mid-May of sophomore year, like, you know, right before the school year's ended. You're already sitting pretty with an offer in your hand. Um, but if you were like, there are a lot of people I know out, out there right now who are in your class who are still recruiting, right? And they're nowhere close to having an offer. And the fact of the matter is, if you want to work at a elite boutique firm, most elite boutiques at this point in the process are pretty much done, right? Like mo the vast, and I don't say every single offer, but like the vast majority of the lead boutique offers for some of 2022 has already gone out at this point. And so the other thing to your point is like, yes, money is a limited resource, but the other resource that's even more valuable, even more scarce is time. How do you speed up your preparation process so that you can be done by April or by May? as opposed to being done by July or August or September or October into junior year, at which point you probably, I don't know, at that point only middle market banks should left probably, right? And so people think like, hey, yeah, I can learn all this stuff on my own. Of course you can. If I gave you all the time in the world, no deadlines, anyone can do it, right? If you want to start super early, don't work super hard, um, and you've been putting all the work, that's great. But like a lot of times, especially with how accelerated the recruiting timeline is now, they keep moving it up earlier and earlier every year. But really, I don't blame the students. It's not really the students' fault. It's the bank's fault for continuing to recruit earlier and earlier, where unfortunately, that's just the way the game is played, and they don't leave you guys that much time to do all the stuff you have to do to be a competitive candidate, right? Think about all the stuff that you're doing, right? You go to the top school. You got good grades. You started your own company. You join a bunch of clubs, right? You're doing internships with, like, top VCs that are on the Midas was like, that's a lot of time. And you have to network and you have to prep for interviews. Like most people, by the time they realize they want to do banking, they, they don't have time to dilly dally or, you know, try to Google every single thing they have a question about. It's just way too inefficient, right? So I think like, look, the, the people that are really smart about this, they know how to think differently, like their decision-making frameworks are different. Um, they think about this as an investment like you do. Um, they also value their time more than their money, which is like, by the way, guys, all the wealthy people that I know in the world value their time more than money. All the poor people that I know in the world value their money more than their time. Like that is, I guess, technically an opinion, but I was almost say it's a fact. Because I've met a lot of wealthy people and I've met a lot of poor people. That is really one of the biggest differences in the people that I see that are really successful. That we only have 24 hours in a day, right? Everybody has the same amount of time. Why are some people so much more successful than other people? Because they're better at utilizing the time that they have, right? So I just, like I said, I just want to give you a major positive mindset because I think it's, it's very rare for someone your age to operate at that level and think about things that way so um it's really cool man um yeah. i was gonna I, actually yeah I was, I was gonna quick add even like like you know to whoever like might be listening to this to this like recording 
um, I do go, so like the target I go to is like either Harvard, Wharton or Stanford, right? I'm an undergraduate at this school. Like I came from like a background where I just didn't have access to much resources. One of the amazing things that like struck me when I first came to campus is that pretty much every kid at that school whose parents came from means put them in like SAT tutoring, like help them like basically like build out like science, maybe science research projects to like get them, you know, get them in labs, like help them prepare for like all these application processes. Like people are investing money in their futures. And if you're not doing that, you're basically going to like be playing at like a disadvantage. That's just how life works. Like, unfortunately, like that's something that I was absolutely confirmed to me. Like when I came to like top institutions, like it's everyone you see at the top level is like doing everything they can to get like ahead because there's only a handful of spots at like all of these firms, everything like getting into college was like one level of competitiveness. It only just gets harder from like every step up above. And like, at some point, like, like when you think about executives, right, every single one of them is getting coached for like landing roles, maybe like at like, you know, taking over, like becoming like a C-suite professional, at like a fortune 500 company, all of them are being coached by someone. Like as you progress up the ladder, like for now, like if I think about, I want to go into like private equity, right. Or like if I want to go into private equity or hedge funds or like any of these types of roles after this, it's only going to get more competitive and everyone has money at this point. So everyone's probably investing in themselves at some level. Like yeah. if you're not doing these things, you're just going to fall behind. And then like the second thing I wanted to add is like, I have a friend now, right? Um, he goes to like local state school, friend since like middle school. And he um, was doing a, um, he's interested in marketing. Basically like he hasn't like sort of been proactive with his like interview process. And he's like suffering right now, like really struggling to get a role. He has a few interviews like scheduled and I don't know, he just hasn't like really been practicing his like behavioral interview skills, all these types of things. And I was like, you know, realistically like investing in for him, like if he had put in even like a similar amount of money to like what I contributed for this program, like he would be much better off and probably landing a role at a startup where he could potentially get equity compensation in a company that could be like one day destined to go public. Like when you just think about the risk reward, uh, I think like that's just something like you should always keep in mind. And um, just like also realize like the top competition is almost always like using some sort of, they have, they have some sort of advantage. And like, if you can get something comparable for like, you know, a fair price, like you should also consider that yeah. because I can guarantee you every kid who applied to like all the kids whose parents' income was like above a certain threshold at Harvard had admissions, like former admissions officers helping them craft their applications, all that kind of stuff. So just yeah. wanted to add. Yeah, that's a really good point because we always hear people say like, oh, well, I know all these people that got to this great school or got to this great firm without any help like this. So I don't think I need help either. Oh, the question I was asked is like, how do you know what kind of help they got? It's not like all the all of your classmates at this elite school that you go to, it's not like they go out and advertise that, hey, I had a bunch of help coming into this, uh, to, to get into this school, but they did have that help. You just don't know about it, right? Exactly. Um, and so, never underestimate what your competition is doing behind the scenes and like don't don't get tricked into thinking like oh yeah like everyone else is doing it on their own like at the most elite levels very very few people get to the top of the mountain completely on their own i'm not saying it can be done very very few people you look at like lebron james the best basketball player in the world right for i don't know how many years now decade plus he, he's got an entire team of people that helps him maintain peak physical fitness. Like he spends a, a one and a half million dollars on his body every year, paying like therapists, masseuse, cryo chambers, nutritionists, strength trainers, coaches. Like nobody sees the behind the scenes. Everybody just sees, oh my God, LeBron is like so, so, such, a, such a great basketball player. He's the best in the world. But like he invests in, in himself like no other player does, right? Yep. And so exactly. it's, it's that same mentality for all the most successful people in the world. I got to ask you, man, like, because we talked about a lot about mindset and all that. Obviously, um, I do want to touch a little bit on kind of like the more tactical side of things. So you came into Wall Street Mastermind. Um, what did you do inside of the program that you found to be, you know, like what, what were the most helpful things, I guess, that we did together that? really helped you get to where because I know you said coming in you you felt like um, your technicals and your behavior both really needed work right so can you kind of talk about like 
you know, how do those areas improve if they did improve? Uh, and, and what did you find to be helpful uh, inside of the program? Yeah, so I'd say to start, like I just, my technical knowledge, like I had taken a year away from all these clubs. So, like my knowledge was basically like back down to zero. I sort of like forgot like how the statements like link together and stuff, which is like pretty basic like things for banking interviews. Yeah. So I just first went through the technicals and like made sure I was really like effective in, in like understanding these things, like at least at like, like the basic levels. Right. And um, I, I would say like, even from there, right. Um, I, I guess like that was really important, but I would say like one of the things that like is extremely underrated is like your behavioral interviews, like for the offer that I got at the firm. And like, I also had a super day at a mega fund private equity firm. Right. I, I got both of those, like I got to that super day for the, the mega fund, like private equity firm. And then um, the, I got the offer on the basis of like my behavioral interview skills that I cultivated like through the program, right? Like if you, like, let's be honest, like the, on the, even at the super day, right? There might be like 50 candidates and they might give like offers to like less than 10 or something. I, I'm not sure the exact numbers, like it varies depending on the firm and like the, 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 the day and stuff. Like if, even if you mess up on a technical question, like you, you can, you can prepare for most, but you might, you'll probably not be ready for everything if they're like coming at you really hard. So like your behavioral interviews and just being able to like effectively communicate and be able to talk like succinctly about your background, include the right things, differentiate yourself as a candidate and make yourself memorable. These are all things that will, are, are I think are the most important things to getting you your offer. Your technicals are just like, you know, it doesn't matter what your technical knowledge is. Within your first three months on the job, everyone will be on pretty much equal footing. Like they don't really care that much about that stuff. Like being able to effectively talk about your background and just all these types of things is like really important. And for me, like, I just like, from the minute, like I came in and I even just like saw the behavioral module that um, like Sam had laid out. I just realized like, I had like way too long and rambling of a story. I had a, such a long background. I'd been in so many clubs. I had taken a year off from school. I just needed to cut down. I need to get this down to like a minute, 30 seconds, maybe be ready to like succinctly talk about my background, highlight the really important things and like major accomplishments, and then be able to like deliver it all in a way that like made me seem like a really compelling candidate and someone who's just like a little bit differentiated. Right. And like, that was, I think probably the single most important thing I took away from the program because I, I could tell like, you know, they asked me, tell me about yourself. I talk about my background and like in the interview process. And like, these people are just like, they're like, whoa, this kid's like differentiated. He's like, he's, you know, he's actually like an interesting candidate. You know, I want to learn more about him. And like being able to just say stuff that like, like people are fundamentally emotional, right? Like if you can get people to like respond to you positively, you're already so much further ahead of your like competition. Like, even if you like mess up on like a couple of your technical questions, you will be fine. You know, if you can really like, get that connection that like, and, and really like build that relationship in a short amount of time. And wow. so that's just something I think like, that was really the most important thing. The technical stuff like was great. I learned it fast, but the most important thing was like just watching the behavioral modules, like seeing like how the top candidates from Wall Street Mastermind like did their own behaviorals, like being able to listen to those people and like th those like people who had like a lot of success through this program and just being able to like emulate their style, talk about things like, and, and communicate myself and like, this type of way was just, I think like without a doubt, that was by far the most important thing to my, my success in the process. Yeah, you make such a good point there, which is a lot, of, there's so much emphasis out there on learning your technicals. That's, that's what happened to the investment banking recruiting prep industry is that all the products that they're putting out, these interview guys, these financial modeling courses, all the things that most of these businesses are selling, it's all centered around the technical interview because it's easier to sell a product around technical interviews, right? Like it's, it can be one size fits all. Um, it's very black or white, the right answer, the right answer, the wrong answer, the wrong answer. And so that's what all the products are focused on. And then, so we've gotten to this point where I think a lot of students mistakenly go into recruiting thinking like, oh my God, I know my technicals. If I mess up on a technical, I'm not gonna get this job, right? Not saying you don't need to know your technicals because you do, you need to have like a, baseline understanding of, you know, uh, all the, all the concepts. But like you said, if the banker wants to come really hard at you, if they really want to like push the limits and see how far they can take you until you break, they're going to break you. Like you're going to mess up. You're never going to know more 
from a technical standpoint, then you're interviewing, right? So that's not really what it's about. But like you said also, so I think this is really perceptive of you. If you can get them to like you, to respond to you positively, especially like within that first one to two minute of the interview, you can tell a good story and make a good first impression, then everything else is going to become that much easier for the rest of the interview. If, if the interviewer likes you, even if you accidentally mess up on a technical question later, in their head, what they're doing is they're going to find an excuse for you because they like you, right? Oh, it was, it's not a big deal. Like that was a really hard question or whatever, right? But if they don't like you because your story sucks or your story is boring or it's cookie cutter, just like everybody else's because you're memorizing the exact same story from the interview guys that everyone else is also reading, then uh, they're going to be doing the opposite, which is they're going to look for a reason to ping you, to eliminate you from the process. And then so now if you mess up on a technical question, they're going to be like, oh, you messed up on a technical, he's out. Right? And it's very much like a double standard, purely just based on whether you can get the interviewer to like you or not. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's that, that's a skill that can be developed. Right? And I think the other thing that you mentioned too, because I was going to ask you, but I think you kind of got to it, which is most people will say, okay, got it. So behavior is more important. Well, I know what I'm going to say for the behavior already. I know what my story is. I know how I want to answer these questions. I know what experiences I've had in the past. So I don't really need help for that. I can just do that on my own, right? Like, I was going to ask you, like, what, what is something that you got from the Wall Street National Program on the behavioral side that you couldn't have gotten on your own? I think you already mentioned one of them, which is, Hey, you get to see how the other top candidates that have been really successful instead of Washington Nashman, how they deliver their answers. You get to hear some of their mock interviews and you can kind of like emulate, them. not only emulate, but you can also benchmark yourself against the competition and say, okay, this guy got into the type of firms that I want to get into. How good are my answers compared to his right now? I think a lot of people aren't doing that, right? They're just coming up with their behavioral answers and they're saying, oh yeah, I think my answer is pretty good. And they have no idea how they truly stack up against competition because your competition at school, they're probably not telling you like, oh yeah, here's how I'm answering my questions. Like, why don't you go ahead and steal my answers? Or like, no one's doing that, right? Exactly. And so being able to benchmark yourself against the toughest competition out there so you actually have that accurate self-awareness of where you're at and whether there's a gap that you need to close, that's huge, right? Yeah. And then I, I, I was going to ask you, like, is there anything else that you think you got from us behaviorally that, is different from what you would have been able to do on your own. Just like, I think for a lot of my answers to questions, I didn't like realize, you know, Sam really encourages like this idea of like signposting, like basically like kind of like listing out like a, why investment banking lists three reasons, why kind of at the beginning and like having structure to your answers, just being able to like think about things from like that structured lens versus right. like, oh, I have this vague idea of what I like said in the past and I'm gonna kind of like recite it. And sometimes you can end up rambling you know, your interview answers might not be as concise and like structured. Like you don't want to come off as too polished, but like this is also really effective to prevent you from just like running on too long. And so yeah. that was something I really took away as well. Like well, I would say the feedback, the feedback aspect to it and also mm -hmm. having frameworks to follow so that exactly. you can make sure your answers are organized and structured and you're not going on and on and on about and, and losing the banker basically. Exactly. Yeah. I think you know, if you're not like structured in your answers and like, you know, have something like, like if you don't have like some guidelines about what you're going to say, you'll inevitably ramble. You might lose the attention of your interviewer. You might just like all of these things, like being concise, seeming like somewhat prepared and like, you know, coming across as like a genuine person. These are all things you have to like seriously like think about. And to be honest, I spent the vast majority of my time with the Wall Street Mastermind program, like focused on that. Like when I would just go through the modules, like the behavioral modules that Sam has prepared. And I like seriously thought about this, like, especially the, the, the top candidate interview, like just listening to that made me realize like, I'm not on the same level. Like that was the immediate thing I realized. Like I can, there's no way I'm like the way my answers currently are structured that I can compete with this person. And like, if we interview, the other person will be taken every time. And so I realized I wanted to get to the level where I could be like a competitive candidate against this person every time. And like that candidate ended up, you know, getting offers at every bank he interviewed at. And I was able to ultimately like get to pretty much the final round of every firm. Um, and so that was like another thing that, um, yeah. 
like I really like got out of it and I, I was able to have a lot of success like in my interview process because I had worked on those skills specifically yeah actually like I was going to even add like at the bank that I got my like first offer from like my interview process my final round interview with the managing director like I like you know I, I even like I, what I did is I like checked his LinkedIn background and like I saw what his previous background was and I like even tailored my answer a little bit because like I knew he was going to be one of my interviewers when they gave me the super day information and like from there I was actually able to like make a hook for him and we literally just he didn't ask me a single technical question we spent the entire interview talking about like that thing I had like slept like snuck in that I thought was like going to be like effective and this is all just from like understanding the fundamentals of behaviorals which is like making people like you and because I was able to do that like some of my technical answers were still weaker right like I didn't I wasn't amazing but he like loved me so much he was like oh yeah like by the end of the interview, he's like, yeah, you'll hear from us like super soon, right? Like I already knew he was going to call me, call me like three hours later. He was like, we'd love to have you here, all this type of stuff. I like, I already, and this guy's like a managing director on a team I want to be on. Like I already know, he like, he like wants to communicate with me further, all these types of things because I like cultivated my answer to like tailor to this guy. And like, I thought really like deeply about what, how I want to communicate myself in this process. And like, now I'm going to be placed on that team, which I know I want to be placed on. I can, I can tell you this like in advance, you know, like this guy likes me that much and yeah. like wants me to like communicate with him further. And this, so this is just all to say, basically like the importance of behavioral just like cannot be understated. And like, as a candidate, I think that's something that you probably like listening to this are not at the, like the right level of, and like you could significantly improve your um, answers. And yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's an amazing story, man. You you basically set the bait for him in the interview by tweaking yeah. one of the answers, and then he took the bait, and then and then the rest of the interview was just like you guys talking about that one thing. Um, and, and and that's awesome. And because too, honestly, too, like you said, a lot of times you get into some of these top firms, these elite boutiques and both back of banks. There's no guarantee what group you're going to end up in, you know. Yeah. And sometimes, like if you end up in one of the top groups, this is one of the the bottom groups in that bank, like it could be a big difference in terms of deal flow and exit opportunity and, and everything, like just career trajectory. And so being able to get an MD to like you so much to the point where you know you're gonna get the group that you want at this bank. I mean, that just made, that probably made the, the made it that much more of a no brainer to accept this offer, right? Because sometimes we get clients asking us like, oh, I mean, I'll just make up some hypotheticals like, oh, Sam, like between um, I got offered from Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan, which one should I take? I'm like, well, it depends. Like, what group do you think you're going to be in? Because, you know, like Morgan Stanley Tech or Morgan Stanley M&A is not the same thing as, I don't even know, I don't want to pick on anyone. Unlike one of the lower ranked groups at Morgan Stanley, it could be a big difference, right? And so at that level, it's not even just about, if we want to get really advanced, it's not really just even about, what bank did you go into? It's like, what group within that bank? What yeah. Right. And what, what are behaviors fundamentally, right? Like it's about communicating yourself, making people like you and you're cultivating that skill set. So like, even when you get your offer from like whatever bulge bracket bank, you have those networking calls with bankers or whatever, right? And you're able to just like communicate your story that much better, relate to them more. Like you're thinking about all these things actively. And those are th skills that you're cultivating through behaviorals. And so like, you're going to be, better prepared to even like secure the the groups that you want to get so that's right. all, all stuff i'd say that's really right. important yeah this is a great point which is behaviorals aren't just they don't just help you during the interview process they also help you during the networking process leading mm -hmm. up to the interview which is going to help you get the interview in the first place will help you get the group placement that you want and so mm -hmm. really like that's a skill that needs to be cultivated early on in the recruiting process not like an afterthought that you do like at the last minute basically right Great advice, man. Um, so I guess two more things to wrap it up. One thing real quick, like, can you kind of, I alluded to this at the beginning of the call, obviously you had a very successful outcome with recruiting. Can you kind of just tell our listeners, like, what was the outcome in the end? Yeah, so I signed an offer with Lazard. Um, and I, the managing director I have a, a good relationship with is like in the technology group. Um, yeah, I and I was I was actually able to land like, um, a super day also at Vista. And I actually think like, you know, my technicals there were like, I, I didn't get the chance to even like go through all the LBO material because I signed up like kind of late, right? 
But I, I figured like, even if I had signed up for this process earlier, I probably would have gotten that role as well. Like the people really liked me. I just kind of like fumbled my last technical question. Um, and I just think like, you know, you're at a firm that's going to take like 10 summer analysts. So right. at times, so like if you just like mess up once, right, you're pretty much out of the running. Yeah. And so like even looking back at it, if I just had like invested in this pro program earlier, I probably would have been able to land that like role, which is, you know, <laughs> fun private equity, right? So like. Your freshman year when you first talked to me. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, I mean, but yeah, to your point though, uh, I remember you telling me like the Vista guys, like they really liked you because you had these other offers you had to decide by and they were having to like, they really wanted you to still interview with them. You were trying to figure out if they can accelerate the process. But to your point, it's like your behaviorals were so on point that they told you like, hey, you're one of our top candidates. But yeah, it's a bummer that in the end, you didn't have enough time to go through the LBO stuff to, to the degree that they wanted you to be at. But I mean, obviously any of our elite boutique in a technology group with your background, having started a startup before, wanted to eventually be still working in something that relates to tech in some way, shape or form, whether it's you know tech investing or tech banking, or even just going back and working at a startup or whatever. I think that's a perfect place for you, man. It's just like, to your point, like tech banking is gonna really teach you a lot of those hard skills that you were looking for or why you wanted to go into banking in the first place. And at the same time, really preserve all of those options mm -hmm. for you so that you don't have to decide right now because you're still, you're still young, but you can kind of kick that game down the road and decide what you want to do later on, which is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, and I was even gonna add like, you know, I, I'm still a part of this program, right? And like, you know, I'm not sure that private equity is where I want to start my career necessarily, but like, I'm very open to it. And like, a lot of those roles do seem really appealing. I could learn like the financial skills while also like learning to think like an investor. And so as part of this program, like I'm going to have an elite boutique investment banking role for my junior summer. I'm still, I'm going to be given looks for, you know, mega fund private equity recruiting full-time. Yeah. I'm not sure the route I want to go because I'm still thinking a lot about startups and all these types of things. Um, and like those roles are still open to me with both banking and private equity, but like, you know, that's in the back of my head as well. I can, you know, gear up my preparations for this program, like continue for the next sort of like, uh, I guess maybe a little like a year-ish like time that I have. And if I, if I really want to like, you know, work through all the like LBO, like material that Sam has prepared. That's also like, stuff I will be very prepared and like an, a good candidate for. And so that's stuff I'm also thinking about. Um, yeah, absolutely, like, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, once you're in this program, you're in this program forever. And so, you know, you always have those resources at your disposal. A lot of people don't know this, especially our listeners that aren't in our program yet, but um, we, we've actually, you know, have a relatively newer private equity program that's kind of been in stealth, um, but it's probably going to come out of stealth soon. And, uh, it's an amazing program because a lot of our clients, what happens is we help them get into banking. And then after that, I say, okay, well, now the next step is I want to get into private equity. Sam, can you help us with that? And then so we're going to have, we're going to have all these things in the future where uh, whether people want to get into banking or they want to get in private equity, um, our private equity program is called Alpha. And, uh, you know, we're expecting to take a lot of what we learned from the banking recruiting process um, because of the success that we've had and just apply it to the peer recruiting process, which to be honest, is even harder than the banking recruiting process, right? It's like even more selective. There are even fewer jobs and, and the candidates that are going for the jobs are even more competitive. And so um, you just, you need every single edge you could possibly have, right? So um, yeah. I, I'm sure whatever you decide to do though, after banking, whether that's staying in banking or doing something else, I'm sure it would be super successful, man. Because like I said, um, the way you operate, the way you think about these things, the way you make decisions um, is really unique and, and really makes you stand out from other people that I've worked with. So that's really awesome. Um, one last question for you, man, because uh, I know we've been going for a while, but mm -hmm. if you can only give one piece of advice to people who are going through this process now or about to go through this process now, maybe they're where you were six months ago, 12 months ago when you started the process, what advice would you want to give people? Like what's something that you wish someone else had told you back when you were shutting off? Yeah, I, I think the piece of advice I'd, I'd give is just be deliberate, right? Like everything, you know, you're in, you're in college now, like 
you knew, like, if you go to a target school, you know how hard it was to get there probably, right? Like, probably wasn't that easy. Every, everything only gets harder. People get more specialized, better, like, the competition gets higher and higher at every level. Yeah. You're, you're increasingly competing, like, at some point, like, right, like, let's say you become, a, you, you proceed through private equity, you try to go to hedge funds maybe after that. Like, the, the quality of the candidates will just be, like, insane. Like, all of these people, they're not going to drop, like, a technical question. It's going to be behavioral. It's going to be how well you can relate to people. To some extent, like you almost feel like some of it's out of your hands, right? Like the competition just gets like that insane, like where people just don't mess up any of like the like easy stuff anymore. Yeah. Like just be deliberate. You have to know, like, do I want this? Am I going to invest in it? And like, am I willing to put the time in? Like you have to, you have to make those decisions early on and like start thinking about those things in advance. Like the people who prepare early are willing to invest in themselves and um, you know, just put in that extra effort, get the best results. And like, you have to make that decision for yourself if that's like right for you. And if you're ready to like compete on that level and it's not for everyone, but that's something I, I, you know, caution you to think about, or like tell you to think about. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a candidate listening to this, I wish you best of luck in your application processes. And, um, like, even if you don't sign up for the program, I hope you take something away from this interview. Absolutely. I think you gave a lot of really, really good value in this interview, which is why I love doing these because, yeah, man, regardless of whether people sign up for our program or not, I think there's a lot of value they can take away from this um, in terms of just how to think about the entire process. But guys, if you've been listening to this, if you've enjoyed this, uh, maybe you can relate to a lot of things that we've been talking about. Maybe, you know, you go to a good school. Maybe you, you know, have pretty good credentials. Um, but maybe you're just a little bit late or maybe, you know, you can get into banking already on your own or you're pretty confident in that, but you're not happy to just be here. You, you want to actually get into the best banks possible and you want the best outcome. You don't want to leave anything up to chance. Then look, I want to encourage you to uh, book a call with us, right? Book a free strategy session. It was that initial call that we had uh, with everyone that comes into our program. Eventually. We always have a call with them first just to learn more about, so we can learn more about your specific situation. What are your goals with your career? What challenges do you have? Why do you even feel like you need our help, right? And based on what you tell us, and what do you need help with? But based on what you tell us, like, if we feel like we can help you, we're happy to talk to you about what that might look like and how it will work. But sometimes, like, based on what you tell us, we might not be the best fit to help you, in which case, hey, it's totally cool. Like, we, we don't try to work with everyone. Like, we'll just give you some advice Instead, like, you know, like Matthew's like, the first time he talked to us, it wasn't the right time for him. So we didn't work together. Right? And then he came back later and it still worked out fine. And so I want to encourage you guys to book that call with us. Um, you can do that by going to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Uh, the street's abbreviated to ST. So www.wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, our team looks forward to speaking with you and just, you know, helping you, helping you in whatever way we can uh, on this recruiting journey. All right. So, guys, um, with that said, that'll be it for today. Matthew, I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. This is a really, really amazing interview, in my opinion, and I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, people enjoy it as well. I know it's super late over there, your time. What is it like? Almost 2 a.m. So, I appreciate you staying up to do uh, to do this, and uh, look forward to seeing all the success you have ahead of you, man. All right. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that'll be it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back with more of these for you guys in the near future. All right. Talk soon. Bye.